check. Hello, Chet. Hey, Denzel. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. You know, just uh, witnessed the miracle of love this weekend. That was one. That was beautiful. Yeah, it was a fucking amazing ceremony, dog. Yeah. Uh, for those of you at home, Chet and I appeared at the same wedding of a mutual friend of ours, and uh, it was fantastic. It was in downtown LA. Shout outs to Justin and Aisha. Yeah. Justin, also the man who named my new newsletter out here, uh, out dash here dot info. If you want to get in on that. I don't remember who the next month's guest is going to be, but uh, I. the thing is with that, the, the way that I arrange the content for that is basically I take a week at the beginning of the month and get as many interviews in as possible, and then uh, I just schedule them out through the year. Makes sense. Yeah, there have been some dud-ass interviews that I'm not going to put in there because some people not – not as verbose as, as I thought they would be, right? Some people freeze up when you put a mic in front of them. Like if it's if it's a totally casual thing, they can talk about whatever you want, you know, and like they're knowledgeable and very friendly and whatever else. Put a mic in front of them. Put them on camera. Put like put the pressure on them to speak. You get nothing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, say la vie, yep. say la vie. Uh, welcome to Real Nerd Hours. Uh, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nerd shit, uh, brought to you by two people where, I don't know, I assume you know by now are like kind of just massive nerds anyway. Yeah, we try to hide it, but it's tough to hide. Yeah, it's one of those things that like, I I don't really carry myself with my nerd cred like, you know, worn as a badge, whereas some people will walk around with an anime pillow. I would never do that. But if it ever comes out, it's like if someone mentions Street Fighter, I'm go- I'm not going to let them spread disinformation. If someone talks about Evo moment, you know, 42, I'm like, excuse me, you mean 37 where Daigo Umahara performed a full parry against Justin Wong in 2004, like 2006. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Almost had your own stripes checked. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, it's not something that I, that I bring forth willingly until the topic is at hand. Yeah. I've, I've become more lax with that shit. Uh, mostly, mostly when talking to other people and something does come up in the same instance, Yeah, because before I wouldn't even bother to correct people, but now it's just kind of like, you know what? You're fucking wrong. Playboy. <laughs> I'm out here. I've got the knowledge and knowledge is power. Goddamn right. Yeah. So this week we're talking about a couple things that I'm late as fuck on. Dragon Ball Super Brawly. Yeah. Watch that. And I also watched Enter the Spider-Verse. Shout outs to Charles. Good catching up. I also watched Captain Marvel. I got opinions. Okay, good, good. I'm glad to hear that shit. So I guess let's get into the ones that viewers or listeners are more uh, familiar with. Yes. T- tell us your experience with uh, 
Dragon Ball Super, probably. It's, it's going to be the third time we talk about this. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm not going to front, man. That movie is the Dragon Ball movie that I wish I had when I was a kid. Right? It was fucking incredible. Like, okay, so the first hour or so is build up. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it. You got to get to somewhere, even though you can't, you can't really assume everybody knows the story. But, like, most people know the story. Yeah. And they went in and they retconned some shit in there. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I... I agree with yeah. this retconning shit but you know what i let it rock like the idea that napa had hair at one point <laughs> i don't agree with that i think the that's audacity that's baldness erasure and i refuse <laughs> to tolerate it i yeah. think i think it was fucking fantastic dude i watched it and i was just like i can understand why people were like oh this is so animation friendly because there weren't any shadows on anything <laughs> there's no shading anywhere and it was like okay like i get it they they can quickly animate these things without having to add in the extra effort of putting in shadows and it makes sense largely in the context of all the fighting that's being done in the show yeah and it's it works and it still looks fine it's not like it's jarring. Yeah. The, uh, the art style. Yeah. They don't have a ton of detail. Yeah. They don't have like form shadows and shit like that, but who cares? It's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, absolutely. And it still looks good. Yeah, it does. It looks fantastic. And I think the more important thing here is to consider the, the idea that that whole movie is dedicated to just fight scenes or pretty much. It's, it's- it's a tool like the story that's in there is a tool to get to the fight scenes, yeah. which are ultimately meaningless because <laughs> yeah. Brawley spoiler alert doesn't die at the end. Yeah. And like he makes friends with Frieza's army people and like, ah, man, uh, I'm, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to talk. It's, it's, it's a dragon ball movie. It's, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And it's exactly what you would expect. And I don't understand why at some point they didn't just allow brawly to kill frieza that would have been interesting that would have been interesting and one thing they never really cover like okay i get that brawly's dad hated king vegeta i get that and like there's reason for that but there's no real reason why he would have been loyal to frieza anyway like yeah if you hate your master why do you like your master's master (laughs) i think it's maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm tripping here but maybe it was like a way to win like a proxy war like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type shit i guess i guess and i know that it was like yeah he wanted revenge on vegeta specifically but i still don't get why he would be buddy buddy to frieza like i get why frieza wants his loyalty that makes sense but I don't know. That one's a little strange to me. It's not like the the worst thing ever. It's just, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird that Brawly wears the ear of his friend around his waist. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> um, let's see. I, and people people made it sound like Brawly's dad was a huge piece of shit. No, it it made more like in the context of the movie that much made sense like yeah is he abusive yes but if he wasn't he'd probably be dead yeah absolutely and it's not as if he can't 
teach the kid but like i don't know there's a lot of things in that movie that i'm just going to ignore for the sake of the the fact that it's just a fighting movie yeah and it's there just for the animation and it's fantastic and i really appreciate the fact that they minimize that goofy cg bullshit (laughs) yes i fucking hate that they only they did it in like two or three scenes there were it was kind of like intercut when they were specifically like down where it was like lava e. Yes. There was a lot of like intercut scenes of 3D and stuff. I want to say they used the uh Dragon Ball Fighters models. Oh, nice. Yeah, I want to say it's the same one. Well, I mean they would look pretty close together close, right? They yeah. look similar. Uh I also want to say that the idea that Brawly didn't turn Super Saiyan really upset me. Yeah. And I also don't understand these Dragon Ball Super transformations now. Yeah. It's, okay, so it's Super Saiyan. You just go from one to red hair to blue hair? Um, or is it still one, two, three, red hair, blue hair? Yeah, but red hair is kind of like it's a separate branch. One, two, three are all just regular ass Super Saiyan. And Vegeta never goes Super Saiyan 3. Um, but then Super Saiyan god is the red-haired one which is it's not even that it's like so much stronger than super saiyan 3 it's just different like it's a different kind of energy which is why it's slimmer and like it takes less energy it's just and they keep their eyebrows yeah but super the blue is basically super saiyan god going super saiyan Oh, mm, okay. So it's referred to as Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. And it's really Uh, fucking dumb naming, but absolutely it it is. Oh my God. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't isn't Beerus uh, a god like the cat thing? Yeah. So the reason why they went Super Saiyan God is because it's the same kind of energy as the gods. Um, and that's the only thing that can like fight on par with them. Otherwise, it's just you're hitting a brick wall. Okay. So, so Beerus is a god, and the yeah. other guy is a god as well. He's an angel. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. So, that dude's a god, and presumably he could have just gone and fucked up Brawly himself. Oh, definitely. Okay. All right. That's and that's how I also figured out that this movie probably had no point. Yeah. Because like <laughs> if it was really that pressing, I think this fucking Anubis ass cat, even though Anubis was a dog, wasn't he? Yeah. What was the name of the cat? Bastet. Bastet? Yeah. Okay. This Bastet looking motherfucker would just go up and handle the problem himself. Yeah, that's one thing that I find interesting about Beerus as a character is that because he is so much stronger than everybody and he is a god you know he watches over all of universe seven he doesn't care if earth is destroyed he doesn't care if frieza's taking over everything that's not his issue his issue is is something messing with the balance of the cosmos that's about it the only reason why he's in he's around is because he finds goku and vegeta interesting and he likes their food Dog, I, that's that's the kind of anime trope that I fucking hate. Yeah, well, it's the same as like Ichigo's dad in uh, Bleach, <laughs> where he's, he's like the strongest motherfucker. No, no, the guy with the hat. Oh yeah, yeah, the uh, guy. He's or, like the strongest motherfucker yeah. around, and he just doesn't do anything. He's like, eh, I just have this little room here in my fucking candy shop <laughs> because I'm a fucking weirdo with a candy shop. And, uh, I mean, that one makes less sense than Beerus because. Beerus's job 
is specific. You know, he has his job and the rest of y'all are just puny little ants bickering over bullshit. And I don't care. Urahara kind of has a vested interest in keeping humanity around. Uh huh. Uh huh. But that's bleach is some, some other shit. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Going on to the dragon ball part. I thought it was actually really funny. The comedy that they worked in oh, there yeah. where Bulma wants the dragon ball, but she can't look too much younger <laughs> yeah. because then people will know. But if she just looks five years younger, not, not being five years younger, right. she just wants to look five years younger. <laughs> and then Frieza wants the dragon balls because he wants to grow exactly five centimeters. Yep. So it looks like he's still growing. <laughs> it's so it ah, that was really fucking funny i love that they point out like why don't you just go to your second form they're always like no 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 because then everyone knows <laughs> uh yeah that it's was, that really was good really good uh overall if you're in a dragon ball i recommend checking that shit out because it's fun to watch and it was a cool experience and it's worth worth taking a look at yeah spider-man into the universe Probably my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Yeah, it's very good. It's a lot of fun. And it's mm, it goes places that I didn't expect it to. Like, yeah. I didn't expect uh, spoilers. Uh, been out. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. But spoilers anyway. Uh, I didn't expect Spider-Man to die at the beginning. I thought he was just going to be like incapacitated. But then I remembered it's not it, just because it's animated doesn't mean it's Disney. Yeah. And with Marvel properties, I don't expect them to ever handle death well. Yeah, they actually, there's a couple of deaths in the movie and they do a pretty good job with them. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And towards the end where uh, Miles meets his dad. Yeah. And I was just like, this is mad corny. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get what you're doing. And how can he not tell that that's his kid? He's doing (laughs) a fake divorce thing. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I love you. Yeah. Like, what? what? Uh, <laughs> a lot of shit just happened. Everyone was shook. Maybe maybe he'll think about that later. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I did like some of the changes that they made. Uh, Olivia Octavius. Yeah. That was that was interesting with yeah. the uh, with the like clear tubing for the arms and legs. And like when Spider-Man from other Earth comes in, the amazing Spider-Man comes yeah. in and he's like trying to flirt with her and shit. God, yeah. And like she's like Doc Ock. It was really good. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's actually very funny. Yeah. The movie is very well written and it's not one of the movies that I watched and I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. I just enjoyed watching it because it was a it was a good experience front to back. Yeah, no, it, it's it does a good job of keeping up the intrigue and you really don't know where it is going to go because there's so many places it can go and it's it's sort of a retelling of a of miles origin story but it's also rather different to how it was in the comics which is excellent by the way yeah (laughs) if you don't remember at home miles origin story spoiler alert his uncle the prowler goes to oscorp to steal something and he ends up stealing uh, one of the spiders, I think, that that they're making to make more Spider-Men or yeah. something. And it crawls out of his bag and bites Miles. Yeah. And Miles becomes Spider-Man that way. And it's like, mm, mm, that's that's a bit corny. It's Yeah, it's a little... Uh, yeah, my uncle, the thief. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I, I also like how they handled the Prowler because I wasn't as familiar with um, Miles' backstory. 
So I was not aware that that was his uncle. So, I mean, they, they do kind of like softball that one to you. Like, oh, shit, is that him? Is that, yeah. that going to be him? But it was still it was still done well. So that enough that I didn't realize it at the start of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool, I guess. Miles' uncle is the prowler and his dad is the cop. But in the comic, his dad dies. That's Yeah, that's right. I remember that. And I was... I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, because that would have been too close to the comics. I mean, they could have changed it either way because it really doesn't matter. Right. Right. Like his uncle's not necessarily a good guy, but like it was cool to see him like react to seeing Miles' face. Yeah. And I, I'm glad he did the uh, the heel turn. You know, I would have felt bad. Oh, the face turn. Oh, you're right. That's true. It would be a face turn. Oh, uh, but heel turn also works because that that's a real life uh thing like yes. to turn on your heel <laughs> god damn i'm a wrestling dork now yep god damn it all Mark right go ass ahead. marks <laughs> yeah it's into the spider-verse still really good go check it out watch it multiple times yeah it's great it's a great movie i'm gonna watch it again probably i don't know later this afternoon <laughs> uh, i had a good time with it yeah and you saw Captain Marvel. I saw the most controversial movie of the year. The groundbreak wave of feminism, Captain Marvel. So I just want to just come right out the gate and say this movie is no feminist icon. And if you have your feelings hurt by Brie Larson or if you champion her as the woman that we've all needed in our lives, both y'all need to shut the fuck up. Because uh, it was neither of those things. It was neither hyper-feminist in a good way nor in a bad way. It was a decent movie, though. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. And, you know, if you've been keeping up with the Marvel movies, it's another Marvel movie. And I am going to say it's probably the worst one that they've released since 2018. But... 2018 was really strong for Marvel movies. So I it's 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 not top 5 is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Um Yeah, it it follows a lot of the cues of Guardians of the Galaxy. I would say that's probably one it's most similar to because there's a lot of space stuff and uh Captain Marvel the character is fairly similar to Star-Lord but competent. Okay. That's that's probably the best way to describe her. Um, the movie is told in kind of an interesting way in that it starts out... It starts out in space and then you go to Earth. But it does this... There's a lot of flashbacks in it. And I'm not sure if it would have been better to go chronologically with it or to tell it the way they did where it's a bit of a uh, a bit of a twist when you find out that Captain Marvel is indeed from Earth, which if you know the character at all, that's no fucking shock. But it's, it, is still, um, it, it is still a bit of a twist if you're completely unfamiliar with Captain Marvel as a property, uh, or at least Carol Danvers. I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the movie overall. There was quite a bit of humor in it, and you see a lot of Nick Fury and agent Coulson in a much more lighthearted role than they have been because they're completely new to this. This is the first time aliens or anything superhuman really has come to their door. So 
it, it's sort of this everyone's a fish out of water kind of thing. Nick Fury and Coulson are completely unfamiliar with, with what's happening. And Carol Danvers has lost her memory and is now back on Earth and doesn't really know what to do about it. Uh, I was very impressed with the scrolls and they brought a lot to the movie that I was not expecting, but I won't get into what, cause the movie is less than a week old. But, um, yeah, I, again, liked it overall, not top five. If anyone's shitting their pants over this movie in either direction, they're wrong. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, some of the other criticisms that I, I can't really deny is that it felt a little um, confused in terms of how Brie Larson played it. Like at times she's really snarky and brash and other times she's deadpan serious. And it's really, it, it feels a little um, inconsistent. Okay. But it's, it's not the worst, you know, it, it's like, it's like if Star Lord could be serious every once in a while. That's kind of how it came across. But um, Jude Law did a good job, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn killed it. Also, uh, this was probably the fewest uh, white men I've seen in a uh, blockbuster movie, uh, probably ever, because basically the entire cast is either white men or minorities. Mm-hmm. That, that's one reason for people to shit themselves, I guess. Oh, okay. There's like three white male characters, two of whom spend a good amount of time as villains. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the, um, uh, every day we stray closer and closer to me deleting my fucking Twitter. <laughs> I, I just, I can't take it, dude. I can't because the takes aren't even... They're not interesting anymore. They're not educated. There's nothing you can say to any of these people really to change their minds. Quite. And it's fucking embarrassing to me. And every day I get on Twitter and I'm like, uh, and even some of the stuff that the homies are retweeting. Yeah. Like uh, somebody had tweeted some shit like, um, oh, hooray. Now women finally have a mediocre Marvel movie that they can go to. And I was just like, first of first and foremost, Electra exists. Let's, <laughs> well, let's start mad there. mediocre. Uh, second, it's come on, dog. Like, what are you like? What are you really mad about? Yeah. Like, what are what, you really mad let about? Let people have their victories. Like, does does Brie Larson starring in a movie? Does that really affect you that much or that you're going to be upset about? This movie exists. It does. It does. Let me spend my money. I want I want things to spend my money on because I'm a slave to capitalism and I need to buy things. I need things to be catered to me specifically so I can spend my money on them. So what? You don't want my money, Marvel? They're going to make that fucking 440 billion anyway. Million. 440 million. Yes. Excuse yes. me. Disney might be making the billies, but Marvel's you know, just they're, they're up and coming in in total. All those movies released so far have had like a combined budget of like three or four billion dollars, but have pulled down 18 billion with a B. God damn. People are going to watch those movies regardless. Oh, yeah. Regardless of if you think like 
uh, Black Panther is a white nationalist, but for black people, <laughs> like regardless of if you think uh, Brie Larson is a feminist icon, which she's not. Those movies, these are in capitalism. You can't really have art like that. Can't really have art like that. This is not an art piece. It's a fucking movie. And it's not even coming out at the right time of the year where you can just sit in an air-conditioned room and stuff your face with popcorn. Remember when movies were movies and you had all the banging shits come out during the summer when it was too hot and you were out of school and you needed something to do? They they just pushed everything back. It used to be May was like, when when we were growing up, May was the start of the summer blockbuster yeah. season and that was like when all the bangers would hit because it was right around when school was ending yeah right around then so often for my birthday which was right in the middle of may uh there we would just go see whatever new hot shit just dropped but it's march the beginning of march and this shit is coming out already and then end game is at the end of april yeah like, man what the fuck what else do we have to look forward to and like star wars movies are coming out during christmas yeah that's the only other time what the fuck just give me all that cool shit during summer yeah. i just want give me it during summer on the weekend i want to eat some fucking popcorn after i've just gotten back from the beach still in my wet ass swim trunks sitting in the movie theater in your fucking chairs that probably stink like ass because nobody ever washes them and they're cloth for some reason i want leather's expensive i guess yeah i mean i don't i don't know what would be more expensive like pleather or i'm assuming i'm assuming cloth it's gross yeah movie theaters are fucking gross anyway but now all we get in the summer it's 42 rock movies starring The Rock, 17 starring Kevin Hart, and about 25 with uh, the fat woman, Kelly, whatever. Oh, the one from uh, The Heat. Yes. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I don't, I don't think she's in any movies anymore. I we, think, is, is America tired of her already? <laughs> she had like a good four-year run. That's, now, that's, now it's all Rebel Wilson. Is she the new resident no, fat woman on the block? No, dude. She's, I think she canceled herself. No, she has another movie coming out soon with uh, Anne Hathaway, and it looks Isn't that the movie that she, she was just like, oh, yo, like I'm the first plus-size woman to star in a romantic comedy? I think that was the movie she was talking about. It, and like, I mean, turfed her career. Probably not even true. It's not. Absolutely not. At all. <laughs> I, ignoring people like Monique. Yeah, I was about to say, hasn't Monique made like three of those a year? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Queen Latifah. There's several women, plus size women, that were out here in the 90s really doing it in. Yeah. But most of them were black, so they don't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Roseanne I mean, had a I couple. I mean, real movies, guys. <laughs> Not not UPN originals. <laughs> you people network. Oh, geez. All right. What else you got? Well, I've noticed a recent trend in, uh, in gaming that a lot of people are going back to the quote unquote good old days. And, you know, this, it's always been a thing for people to, to enjoy retro gaming. You know, it's the shit you grew up with. You loved it as a kid. So you love it again. Yada, yada. But I feel like it's more widespread than it used to be. And uh, it's, it's just interesting. So, like, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people are going back to playing Marvel 3. 
And I, I am fucking thirsty for that because I played a couple of rounds at ALA and it was like being reunited with an old friend. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was real drunk. I stumbled in and the first the first game I see is Marvel three. And I'm like, oh, baby, don't make me pull out my hacker. And then I did. And it was wonderful. And but it, it's not just me. Like a lot of people are going back to Marvel three. People who were really into Marvel Infinite, people who were really into Dragon Ball, just they're they're going back to it. And so Marvel three tournaments have much more reach than they did even two years ago, like before the shit came out, it because you know people got tired of it. But I think that uh, that separation made the heart grow fonder. Kind of thing. <laughs> you know what? I bet all the shaming that the melee community did talking about, or excuse me, talking about how <laughs> they have no brand loyalty or game loyalty. You guys aren't loyal to Marvel. You guys just gave it up as soon as the next one came out. Can't believe this. You guys are monsters. We, we felt called out. We had to go back. Yeah, everybody's digging up their classic shit. Well, I mean, maybe it's even a response to more and more games becoming Battle Royale. Yeah. I mean, or multiplayer in general. If you were paying attention, you saw this coming a few years ago. Yes. And that's something that I definitely saw coming. We Not talked to, about it. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. And I can't wait until the next Halo and the next uh, Borderlands drop oh, because God. they're going to have bo- uh, Battle Royale modes, I bet. Uh, it would be so easy to do that. Yeah. I mean, I Borderlands, mean, that shit's made for it already. They can call it a Border Royale. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the writing is better in that next one that comes out. Yeah, you know, I never actually finished a Borderlands game. I played through a decent portion of Borderlands 2, but um, but that's it. That's the only one I touched, and I never finished it. But uh, on the Marvel scene, it's it's just strange to me. Like, friends who used to play it for a little bit, they're talking about wanting to play it again. Uh, tournament players, they're playing it again. Like, it's, I don't know where the, all this energy is coming from, but it's there. But it's not just Marvel. Like... It's also Yata Garasu Attack on Cataclysm. Oh, God. Just kidding. I Nobody that played that existed. shit. Uh, <laughs> I bought that shit. I played it for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> the network stuff was broken when it first dropped, too. And that was like the main reason to get it. Anyway, you were saying something. Yeah, no, um, but th- there's been, I feel like there's been a big resurgence of nostalgia in gaming not for like old old games but with kingdom hearts 3 coming out there's been like oh my god it's the magic of, of kingdom hearts and kingdom hearts 2 oh my god and when Dra- uh, dmc5 uh devil may cry coming out it's like oh my god this is like dmc3 again like holy shit and um but on top of that there's also we got halo coming out but then there's also, if you pay attention to speedrunning at all, I mean, for one, speedrunning has a focus on older games already. But then there's been randomizers coming out. And I think this first really caught on with um, A Link to the Past, um, which effectively a randomizer is just, it's the same game, same engine, same everything, but the item locations are randomized. So instead of you know starting with the lamp and sword and shield, you might start with the boomerang, the hook shot, and the fire rod. And it's like, okay, what can I do with these items? And the game is different every time. And that's it's been 
very popular. I, I enjoy playing them. But other games have also done this. They've done it with Ocarina of Time, Final Fantasy IV, um, Super Metroid. Basically, any game where you're collecting a bunch of stuff, you can do this too. And they've really caught on and they're really popular. So if you liked Final Fantasy IV and you know, you've played it a thousand times and you know everything and love all the characters, you can go back and do that again, but this time it's a little different. And you know, you might have access to the airship earlier and you might be playing as Sid instead of Cecil or God forbid Edward. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's been really interesting seeing how these communities are like revitalized and it really might be a response to the popularity of MOBAs and battle royales and FPSs in general because we don't have that many single player games anymore not nearly as much as we used to because they just don't make money like that you know <laughs> there's yeah. so much less incentive Somebody had mentioned on Twitter, maybe I brought this up too, but they were like, we need to find a way to monetize a game for years after it's been made. Yeah. And if we don't, then that game is not a success. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. It's it not a good way to look at things. It's, it's embarrassing. No, I mean, that's, it's certainly a reality when it comes to looking at things as a business because... I mean, Fortnite makes dumb fucking money, but then say like Red Dead Redemption 2, I'm sure it made plenty of money, but it also cost a shitload of money. Yeah. And yes, they'll be releasing DLC, I'm sure, but that's still going to cost more money to make. And it's not going to be as simple as, oh, we're going to make John Marston dance. We're going to put a Santa hat on him. That costs $25, (laughs) you know? That would be easy ways to print money, but no one's going to want to do that because it feels lazy in the setting of Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Fortnite, if you've come to expect that, you know, if, if it was League of Legends and they say, oh, we got a new skin for Akali, she's literally just Katy Perry, people gobble that shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, you have a different set of expectations for a single player game versus something that's purely um, multiplayer. Yeah. And having not necessarily a repetitive experience, but a consistent experience across the board is something that's very enjoyable about single player games. In a few years, I bet that art will be lost hardcore because what people appreciate about battle Royale games or any, like most games, most multiplayer games it's not that it's a consistent experience it's just that it's repetitive you pick a player that you like or a character or a class that you like you get in you do the same shit over and over and over and over again and you can do that hours on end and that's kind of a huge turnoff for me well i mean in defense of multiplayer games because i play them a lot i play a lot of dota play a lot of fighting games like basically what you just described but (laughs) In defense of that, um, when you're against someone, you want to do all your shit perfectly. They want to do all their shit perfectly. And your goal is to interfere with that. And, you know, some, some people go with the mindset of I need to do right 
other people go in with the mindset of I need to make sure they do don't do their shit. You know, if you're playing, if you're playing Magneto, you're just trying to do your shit. If you're playing zero, you want to make sure they're not doing theirs, you know? And it's, it is effectively the same thing every time. Um, you know, if you're picking the same characters, picking the same classes every time, in a sense, yeah, it is always going to be the same thing. But there's going to be some other shit that just changes here and there. Uh, you know, of course, it depends on who you're playing against. If it's a team game, who you're playing with. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's consistent enough that it's not frustrating. You know, you want to have some sense of familiarity because if you if you pick anti mage every game and sometimes you have one skill set and other times you have another and you don't know which it's going to be, that's fucking frustrating. If you only wanted to play anti mage A and you get anti mage B three times in a row, that's going to be annoying. So there there's certainly a merit in having that that sense of familiarity and having that sense of repetition because you can practice it. Yeah. You can't uh you can't practice rolling dice unless you're really fucking dedicated to it. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I understand the enjoyment of perfecting your game or ruining other people's because that's how I play basketball. I go in and I play and my goal is, especially in a league game to not league as in league of legends, but rec league (laughs) recreational league game of basketball. My goal is to go in and just fuck with the other person, not let them get the ball, not let them get any passes, not let them touch it at all. And of course that's ruined when I have to come out of the game because obviously I'm horribly out of shape. So I can't (laughs) stay in for 40 minutes. I can do like eight to 10 minute spurts. There you go. And playing really hard defense, but I cannot, I can't do a full 40 minutes yet, but the goal that I have in mind is to just make sure that other person can't do exactly what they planned. And the difference, at least in my mind with online games, not to say that like one's better than the other. I'd suggest that I enjoy basketball more than playing online. There's definitely a less racism on the (laughs) basketball court, less, a lot less. And two, the variance in people you're playing with is going to be so much different yeah online versus in person yeah. because in person people who are at or above or at or around the same skill level i should say will stick around and play with people who are at that same skill level yeah whereas online there's no way like you're not watching the people that just picked you up or are going to pick you up for a match you're not watching them prior to playing with them you just get into a match so you can't be like oh this dude sucks i don't want to play with him yeah it's there's so many little things that are the exact same and so many things that are completely fucking different between real sports and competitive gaming of any sort. And I, I don't mean competitive as in like just tournament play. I, I mean playing against other people. Yes. Cause like, for example, using basketball as the analogy, you know, if, if you really want to be good at fighting games and you're, you know, you want to get your combos down, it would be like just shooting hoops all day, just making sure that your baskets are on point, that you can hit 
free throws, three pointers, layups, whatever. And that's refining your shit a hundred percent. But if that was all you did ever, if you if you were the best shooter in the country, you know, ninety eight percent of your shots sunk, but you'd never played against anybody else, and you went for a pickup game, you'll probably make most of your shots, but you're not going to know how to handle pressure. You're not going to know what to do when someone like actually blocks you, you know, and if someone comes in way taller than you can just smack that shit down like the Kembe, uh, you're not, you're not gonna know how to handle that. So like, that's basically, <laughs> I, I ran into this in, in blaze blue, this dude, his combos were fucking tight. Never dropped a goddamn thing. His shit was really good. He played V13. And that character is very good <laughs> at just getting those hits and converting that into big damage. And he was very good at that. But it was very clear that he never really played against real people. Because if you ever got in on him, he didn't know what to do. And so he would end up winning about 40, 50% of his games, which is a lot lower than you would expect out of someone who had combos that impressive. He just didn't know what to do. And, uh, but conversely, you know, if you have someone who all they can do is defense, you know, if they're just big and aggressive on the court and they can block you all day and know how to just apply a shitload of pressure, once they get the ball and they don't have anyone to pass it to, it's like, yo, you're open, man, just take the shot but you've never practiced taking the shot, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to miss. So you got to, you got to be on your game in all aspects of it. If you want to take it seriously at all. And it can't, nothing's ever going to go perfectly, you know, until you've practiced enough so that you know how to make it go perfectly. But even then it's still, it's, it's hard. Everyone learns together. And that's why doing anything at a high level is fucking difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. That conversation transformed a lot. It did. It did. <laughs> and that's how we do things. Uh, you want to get into questions? Yeah, we got a couple of questions. One from the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. Join the discussion. Give us topics to talk about because, you know, sometimes there's, there's less to talk about. It happened. You know, it was a slow news week. So Juice Campbell asks. Hey, Denzel, let's talk guitar since you've mentioned you're practicing. What guitar and equipment do you own? What songs are you learning? Where are you in your quest to learn the instrument? How far would you like to take learning guitar? Any goals? If you'd like an impromptu lesson or want to chat about playing, hit me up. So I have been playing guitar uh, inconsistently since the beginning of the year. I'd like to say that I've been practicing every day for 30 minutes a day, but that's not true. What I've been doing is, I mean, I guess I get up to in any given week, I get up to like five days in, uh, which is like kind of solid. And it's not, it's not seven days a week, but I'm not really going to beat myself up over missing two fucking days. Really guitar that I have is like a Les Paul, an Epiphone Les Paul special edition one that's like gothic. <laughs> the reason why I bought that one is because it's matte black. 
Oh, and it's cool. a really cool color. And it's got this weird cross on it that I want to just paint over. <laughs> but uh, whatever. It doesn't really make that big of a difference. And I don't have an amp or anything. But I do have like an audio interface that I just plug oh, into my computer. Yeah, that works. And that's how I've been like kind of listening to me playing. Also, it would be really fucking annoying for me to play in my apartment with an amp all loud and shit. Yep. Yeah, it would be pretty awful. Yeah. But I'm not learning any particular songs. I have a method book that I bought and I'm learning how to read sheet music and I'm also uh, learning music theory and all that as well. So I'm just kind of going through that, learning scales as well, just getting my fingers used to doing scales. So you're actually learning correctly. Yes. That, that is, that warms my heart because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to shit on guitarists. But, you know, a lot of guitarists are either self-taught or taught by just one of their friends, you know, and they don't, they don't approach it like a classical musician and even classical musicians don't usually start with scales, but it, it is something you learn pretty early on. And, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of guitarists that they sound good and they know how to play their songs but they have no fucking fundamentals at all. So when you ask them to do anything different, they have no idea what to do. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's not me. Yep. I just, I, that's part of the reason why I'm learning the way that I'm learning. Most of the musicians that I've talked to about anybody who either plays guitar, less so bass, but guitar in general, it's like these motherfuckers don't know music theory. Yeah. They don't know how to play. If you can't play your scales, if I... So I've gone through a lot of musicians with my band, Infinite Combo. Check us out. Uh, and the the gap between some of the people I've I've had on my band is fucking massive. Like my first guitarist, uh, he was an old friend, and you know he was a pretty decent player. But if we ever had to do anything, that's like, oh yeah, okay, we're gonna take this from the uh, from the D minor seven in the B section. He'd be like, what? <laughs> D minor seven. I, I don't know where that is. It's the second measure of the, of the phrase. Okay. But what part of the song is that? I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, <laughs> you're playing an instrument that plays chords. You should know this. So, but he never really learned like that. You know, he learned rock guitar and he can play rock guitar pretty well, but actual, like I'm handing him sheet music. He didn't know what to do with that. And that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. There's, I've been, I've been watching a lot of interviews with guitarists and such, mm -hmm. and like kind of getting an idea of how people, how some people felt about guitar, and like rock musicians, people who perform rock music largely are just lazy bastards. They yeah. just know, like, oh, this these strings when pressed together sound cool. So I did this Yep. and there's ultimately one person who produces the entire album who knows music theory. Yep. That was just like, play this, play this, play this, practice that you don't need. I'll give you tabs if you need them, just use the tabs <laughs> yeah. or you get people who are in like prog rock bands yeah. or just like, yeah, you know, I thought it would be cool to do like an inverted D here. <laughs> and I, and, you know, play it descending rather than ascending and you get this really cool flourish and it sounds like, and it's like, Oh wow. That's, that's what I want to do. John Petrucci, the guitarist to dream theater is one of the biggest music theory nerds out there. He is, 
he does basically exactly what you just said. It's like, oh yeah, I thought this minor third here would be cool, but what if I also added a sharp 11? But, you know, he's playing at like 47 notes per second, so you'll never hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he thought about it. He wrote that shit out. That's actually something that um, I want to really get across to basically anyone in a creative field is that you got to have your fundamentals on point. Um, someone recently, if, if you're familiar with um, anime artists on the internet, um, there's uh, Kuvshinov Ilya. He's a Russian illustrator that does anime girls and he's very popular and his stuff is really good. But someone asked him like how you got, how he got so good at drawing anime girls. And the answer was he was a classically trained artist who specialized in realism and would just sketch people on the bus and stuff. And someone just asked him, Oh, do you do anime? And he's like, no, but I guess I could. And then he started doing anime and that was how he got popular. Nice. Which is basically the same shit that, um, Picasso and Dolly did. They've mastered realism first and then they found their niche. And it's it's the same thing with music producers. Like I guarantee you fucking Quincy Jones knows plenty about music theory. All the people producing your favorite albums, even if it's trap, even if it's country, eh, maybe not country, (laughs) (laughs) but like pop writers and all those people behind the scenes they know their craft. They know the fundamentals to their shit. You only see what they've honed and like perfected to make money. I guarantee you that they know their shit from the bottom to the top. Yeah, absolutely. As far as my quest to learn guitar, uh, I've taken two lessons so far, specifically so I can get mechanical things done. Uh, like how to hold the guitar properly mm-hmm. uh, at one point have your wrist and arm in a straight line uh, and if you turn your palm up and you just move your fingers that's how you're supposed to hold the guitar yeah keeping your wrist straight yeah. is uh, much better for longevity of your wrist <laughs> exactly you're not supposed to play with a bent wrist like you're like reaching inside your own ass yeah a lot of people a lot of people do that and it's not good. No, it's not. It'll lead to carpal tunnel and I play with computers enough as is. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's one right there. Just playing guitar uh, mechanically because I have the method book. I, I'll be fine. Like learning all kinds of shit anyway. Mm-hmm. And as far as like going, learning guitar, I, I have this bad habit of when I pick up a hobby, I want to do it for a reason. Like I want to have a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. So I never do anything just for fun. <laughs> like for instance, like playing basketball, even though it's something super minor, like joining a basketball league, like that's it right there. Like I just don't go out and play. I want to play in pickup games so I can get better for a league. Mm. And it's a really shitty way to like kind of go about life. I, I disagree. Actually. I think it's, probably one of the better ways to handle things. I mean, in a sense, it does bring more stress to it, but it also brings more purpose to it. Like if I'm doing something just for fun, I have to enjoy the shit out of it. You know? Yeah. But we're, we're fucked up adults. Now I remember when I was younger, I would just do things for fun. Well, yeah, but I I mean, literally like when I mean, like when I say I don't do things that aren't for fun, like I really mean that you went to a wedding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was to support the homies. That's true. But I mean, 
guitar specifically. My goal is to get really good so I can fucking shred. And then I'm not going to put out an album like for people to listen to. Like I'm not going to do like a, a wide release for the album. I'm just going to put together an album so I can say I put together an album. Yeah. And that's really about it. Like I don't I'm not going to go touring. I don't <laughs> I don't plan on like posting it all over social media so people listen to it. I'm literally making an album for me. So that's that's the goal with playing guitar. See, I think that I think that is a fine way to do it. Um, you know, when you have vague, easily attained goals, I don't know. I feel like there's just a tendency to stop. So if you don't want to just stop, then set a pretty lofty goal that you think that, that you can attain though. Like, I think part of the issue with why I was so inconsistent with working out was that I didn't really have a goal. Like I didn't have... I didn't want to get huge. I didn't want to lose weight. I just wanted to be healthy. And that's so nebulous, right? Like I was already reasonably healthy. So if I'm already healthy, then I've already reached my goal. So why am I still doing this? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you're playing, if you're learning to play piano to be better at piano. Okay. Well, if you learned anything today, then you're already better than you were. So what does that mean? But something like putting together an album that you would be proud of, that's an actual goal that you actually have to work at. And unless you decide that you don't care anymore, then you're going to keep going until you reach that goal. Yeah. So you know, I, I think it's a good way to handle things. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah I'll hit you up uh, to chat juice. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm trying to remain consistent. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, and paying money for things is a good way to for me to be consistent. Because like, oh man, I paid for this. Now I actually have to go do it. Yep. So Electric Boogaloo asked me on Discord, effectively just saying, so do you think Halo is worth buying again after five years now that it's coming to Steam? No. <laughs> no, no way. That game... I mean, it's probably going to be whatever version was released on the Master Chief Collection. So those should be fine, like one through three. Oh, yeah. It is actually exactly the Master Chief Collection. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So that that should be fine to play. But as far as like the amount of value you're going to get out of them, I'll probably buy them just to... Uh, no, I don't know. Actually, how much are they? If it's like 20 bucks, I might buy it. I actually don't see... If it's price. if that shit is like forty dollars, I'm gonna wave that uh, fun fuck off. Yeah, I, I think the price is a big deal um, in this case. I, I might do it for twenty because I never really played Halo. I didn't have an Xbox, and none of my friends who did were really into Halo, or at least you know they wouldn't invite me. But um. Uh, yeah, no. So Halo was never really part of my childhood, and I don't have that that level of nostalgia for it. I did play a decent amount of Halo Reach in college, and I enjoyed that. But it was like it never really it it never really did it for me um, in the same way that other games did. So you know, if if you loved the game growing up or you know in your adolescence, yeah, do it. You know, if it's twenty bucks and that ain't shit to you. Go for it. If it's like 60, if it was 60, I say absolutely not. If it yeah, was like 40. Dude. If it's for, 40 is absolutely pushing it. 
Yeah, Tim, I wouldn't do it for 40, but it has it has no significance to me. Like 30? I I played a shitload of Halo when I was younger. But <laughs> but you I also don't you don't really play games like that anymore. Yeah, even though that's true. Like I don't know, man. Even that seems tasteless to me. Yeah. You're re-releasing a game. That's again. like releasing Skyrim at full price again. Yeah. For the for the fourth time <laughs> or for the eighth time, however many times that's been released on like the Wii U or something. There's a shitload of Skyrims out there. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, you want to play you want to pay $60 for Skyrim again on the Wii U? Haha. <laughs> no, except no one would do that because no one has a Wii U anymore, so good. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say, follow your heart. If you have a bunch of friends who are getting on that, and you think it's going to be a thing, do it. You know, have fun with it. But if you're just picking it up to to replay the campaign and you know try and respark that childhood delight, uh, and you've got no one to do it with, yeah, maybe not. She want that old thing back. Thanks everybody for riding in. Uh, to this week's edition of Real Nerd Hours. I've been Denzel. I've been Chet. Go to the website, realnerdhours.com, to see our social media shit, and you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash realnerdhours. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Y'all have a good night.